0: so last week I spoke about God's presence and I really kept honing in on God's God is present with us in every moment of every single day he doesn't pick and choose when he wants to hang out with us he doesn't pick and choose when he's when he can't be bothered with us or he's a bit over us he is present with us every moment of every day that is very cool we should be rejoicing about that right right on the top of mountains with eagles flying, and all sorts of other things that all of us experience, <laughs> he is present with us every moment of every day. And um, so, last week I shared that, and you know that he's with us in our growth, he's with us in our pain, he's with us in our high and our highs, in our lows, in our healing, in our grief, in our excitement. Um, he is present, and the Lord reminded me of a scripture that he gave me last the beginning of last year and um, it's interesting, we had our leaders meeting this morning which was very cool, we hung out on the deck and dreamed and planned together, it was very fun. Um, but again, so this the Lord gave this, reminded me of this scripture and again today as we were talking about what God has asked us to do here, um, it came up again and the scripture is, this is where... What God says to Abraham, okay, when he's told him, I'm going to promise you something. And God said, I'm going to give you a child. And Sarah laughed behind the tent. And um, God spoke into that. But what he said is, is anything too hard for the Lord? In the natural, that looked like what? You must be joking. There's there's no way this is going to happen. But it says in Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? That is what God says. It's not like somebody else says that about him. This is what God says. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? And as we know, we saw the story playing out. Nothing is too hard for him. (laughs) So... As Jenny was praying, I felt like the Lord was reminding us again that whatever we're going through, God absolutely sees it all. He knows every detail of it. He understands it. He's with you in it. And nothing is too hard for him. So whatever you're believing for, if it lines up with his heart, with his nature, with, his, with scripture, it's never too hard for him. Nothing is too hard for him. So I was just reminded of that again because I was like, I'm going to start saying this. If I feel like something comes up, is anything too hard for you, God? No, it's not. I feel like I'm going to walk around the town. So if you hear about this woman that's walking around town saying that, it will be me, right? <laughs> um, but I want to encourage you. If there's something that is, is in front of you, you can say to God, you said nothing is too hard for you. Is anything too hard for you? It's not. So you can claim that. And this includes him making his presence known to us. It's not too hard for him. In fact, his desire is that we know, believe and experience his presence. It's a knowing, a believing, a trust in it, a faith in it and also an experience of his presence. And But I do think we need to practice. Sometimes we need to practice these things. I, I don't want to talk about this like an ethereal thing that is kind of out there that, you know, you only hit it if you've been following Jesus for 500 years, okay? It's not that. So there's part of us that actually needs to practice being in his presence. And um, <laughs> last week, um, I reminded us that Jesus said this, Matthew 28, 20, and surely, which means undoubtedly, assuredly, certainly, nothing unsure about that statement, surely, that word. I... Surely am with you always, to the very end of the age. That is a massive promise. And sometimes I think I walk through life and I'm like, "Do I live like I believe that?" It's a challenge, because I like to say, "Of course I do. Absolutely. Everything I do has always got that in the back of my mind. I know it is truth, but do I live my life knowing or believing or experiencing? That Jesus is in every moment with me. Jesus' presence is with us. That's what he says there. I promise that I'm with you. His presence is with us, and the Spirit of God is in us. 1 Corinthians 6:19 I'm sorry I did not put this on there um, --Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? The gift of the Holy Spirit? He is in us. So we need to practice being in his presence so that we know for ourselves that he is with us. Okay, This is so that we know for ourselves. It's not just an airy-fairy thing that doesn't happen. King David, we all know King David. He wrote these psalms. And if you read the psalms, they are full of um, poetry and drama. <laughs> um, he his lament, his laments in his, in his psalms, he praises God in his psalms, um, he speaks about his encounters with God in his psalms, he gives glory to God in the middle of the complexities of life. They are great for us to read because they remind us that actually we are not the first ones on this planet to experience what we're experiencing. We often think that no one else has ever gone through this. No one else ever understands how I feel. The Psalms are a good reminder that nothing is new. (laughs) Nothing is new. The labels might change, but all the stuff that goes with it has not changed. Psalm 89. Actually, I have got this, Emma. Do you want to chuck up? All right, okay, fair enough. All right, Psalm 89, 14 to 18 says this. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learnt to acclaim you, which means praise and applaud you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. We've heard about light here today, haven't we? They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness, for you are their glory and strength, and by your favour you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, praise you and applaud you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. There's some keys in this. There's some things about this that tell us, blessed are these people who applaud you, give you glory and walk in the light of your presence. There's clues as to how to be in his presence. It includes praising, applauding, proclaiming, rejoicing. They're really important things to do. So we need to practice being in his presence so that we know ourselves. Now, yesterday, well, Dave and I um, decided we would go on a little camping trip. I mean, we just went on a big UK trip, which is very lovely, and we felt very honoured and privileged to do that. Um, But then we came back, and and it was full of people. You have to know, three weeks of being in the UK, it was, you know, one event after the another, which was wonderful, and I loved it, and it filled up all my tank. But then we got home, and I was like, well, we could do with a couple of days away, a bit of quiet, (laughs) which is not like me, the extrovert. But anyway, so we decided to go camping, and we decided to just do it cheap and go, like, National Park, you know, take your own everything. And um, so the first night we were at Apsley Falls... The second night, we d- decided to move to this little tiny town in the middle of nowhere um, that had like a free camping spot that was just on the side of the road. <laughs> it was a bit funny. It was a funny little place. Anyway, it was beautiful, and there was a lovely little river, and we had a lovely time. And it wasn't on the main road, but anyway, it was still opposite somebody's house. It was a bit weird. Anyway, so um, we had a lovely time. We were chilled. We were just sitting in the stream, you know, cooling down, just reading. It was lovely. And then um, we decided because we were doing these meals that you just add hot water to, right? You know, these real camp, like hiking meals that you just add hot water and it's like goop and you just eat it. Anyway, we decided we we're going to go cheap, so we'll do that. So we did that for a couple of nights and we got quite expert at it. But then we decided on the last night, oh, let's go to the pub. Let's spoil ourselves. Go to the pub for, for dinner. As we were leaving, some of you might have seen my post. There were some storm clouds <laughs> coming. And I took a photo of it thinking, oh, maybe we'll have to peg down the tents a bit more. Anyway, we kept going, as you do, when you've got a lot of wisdom. Um, You keep going to the pub for dinner. (laughs) And um, halfway through, well, we'd order our dinner and we were sitting there. All of a sudden, oh, my gosh, the weather absolutely ripped through and we're sitting there. We have to move the table. We were sitting on the veranda and we had to move the table back. And and then Dave goes, I don't think I did the window up on the tent. (laughs) And I was like, "Hmm." And actually, we were in two separate tents. This is one of the things I've decided that 2023 is going to be my year of firsts. And I have never slept in a tent on my own ever. I've always grown up with my family doing camping, and we'd always been with my sister. And then I married Dave, and I was in a tent with him. And then we were with the kids, and always. So I was like, "You've got two tents. I'm going to go in one on my own." Anyway, so but my my one wasn't even pegged down. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, with this wind, <laughs> that one could end up over there. We have such interesting adventures. Anyway, we scoffed down our meal and it had, like there's lightning and thunder and we're like, we'd better get back there. So we get back and yes, David had left the window open on his tent and it was absolutely saturated. This is like 8.30 now on Friday night, absolutely saturated. And I'm like, look, we could squeeze into the little one-man tent that I'm in. We could both get in there, and Dave's like, there's no way. And my sleeping bag's wet, my clothes are all wet. Like, so we decided to pack up at 8.30 at night in the rain. Mine was fine. Well, actually, it did fly away a little bit, but luckily it bashed into his tent, so it stayed there. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so we decided in the rain to pack up. And I was like, this is not how I really wanted this to finish, really. <laughs> All that lovely calm, intense, exactly. All that lovely calm kind of went out the window and we drove home and we were like, and I, we kind of had to tell our soul, listen, you're okay. Nothing terrible happened. No one's hurt. No one, you know, we didn't have to fork out thousands of dollars for anything. So, and yesterday I, I was having a bit of a flat morning and I was like, what is going on with me? I don't normally feel like this, but I was agitated and a bit bleh. And I said to Dave, I need to tell my soul to pick itself up. This, there's nothing wrong here. I don't know why I'm feeling like that. And he was trying to help me kind of ascertain, was this disappointment that our, you know, we'd been cut short by half a day. And I didn't know what it was, but there's a choice there to make, to say, okay, God, I do not want to sit in this place of whatever it is. I didn't know what it was, really. I didn't want to sit in that place. So I was like, show me. If there's something that I need to shift here, uh, some attitude that I need to change. I want to sit in your presence. I don't want this to steal away what's, what's gone on there. And so the, as the day went on, I actually felt like much more myself. And I was like, yeah, this is okay. Now, this is good. <laughs> but it was a very interesting time to... This is where I say stuff happens. You know, there's no, there was no enemy activity there. It was just the rain came and we left the window open. You know, it happens. We've done things. But... Um, my point is that we have to choose to rejoice and step in when we're not feeling like it. To choose to practice to be in his presence when things are not going quite as we plan, or things are not going as we saw or things are hurting our heart. I'm not saying let's ignore things that don't go well but let's choose to step into his presence. Let's rejoice, applaud him, uh, rejoice in who he is in the middle of that. So we need to practice for ourselves. We also need to practice being in his presence for those around us. So when I say practice being in his presence, his presence is in us. It's actually just being aware of his presence is what I mean when I say that. It's not like we have to forge up, you know, oh, I need to be in God's presence. He says, I am with you. So we are in his presence, but we sometimes, this gets in the way. This gets in the way. But we need to be, recognizing his presence for those around us. And I shared a couple of stories with you last week, I won't repeat them, but about how God will speak, God will whisper, God will do stuff to get us aware of what's going on around us. I want to read you a story from Luke 8. You are going to know this story, I'm pretty sure, very well. So I don't want you to check out. Okay, I want you to actually close your eyes and then you're not distracted. And I want you to listen. I want, I'm going to read it fairly slowly. I want you to imagine, okay? I want you to imagine that maybe you were in this crowd and you were watching this unfold. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. And a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter... "'A girl of about 12 was dying. "'As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, "'and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding "'for 12 years, but no one could heal her. "'She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, "'and immediately her bleeding stopped. "'Who touched me?' Jesus asked. "'When they all denied it, Peter said, "'Master,' The people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I can't wait to meet this woman one day. I'm really looking forward to hearing her story. What happened after that? We don't get to hear that. She was desperate in need of healing. She was so desperate for something to transform her situation. We assume she heard the stories of Jesus. She must have been following the stories you know, they didn't have Instagram in those days, so word of mouth was very strong, so people were talking about this Jesus who could change and transform lives, who was healing people from diseases that no one got healed from, usually. She had heard wherever he went, things were happening. Wherever his presence was, things were changing. She had courage. I mean, imagine, just, I mean, picture this. This is why I wanted you to picture it. Picture yourself in a crowd. And it was busy because people were getting crushed and, you know, or jostled along. She touched his garment, thinking that if only I can do that, that will be enough, which is amazing in itself. Imagine then when Jesus turns around and goes, who did that? Everyone else is going, "Mummy, mummy, don't look at me." That's our natural response, isn't it? Um, but it says, "Seeing that she could not go unnoticed, I find that amazing. She could not go unnoticed because Jesus was paying attention. She knew—I believe she knew—that He knew—and so trembling, falling at His feet." She tells everybody. So in the presence of everyone there, she gives witness to what had happened to her. There would have been people there that knew her, knew her situation. There would have been people... I mean, there's no pride in this, right? There's a lot of humility in what she did. There would have been people there that would have known her situation. She was a woman. She was unclean. There's a whole bunch of people that would have shunned her. And she falls down... And she tells everybody there, this is what's happened. This is what this man, the presence of this man, the power of this man has changed my life right here, right now. She's applauding him, isn't she? She's applauding him. She's giving honour to him. She made his name famous. I think that would have taken some guts to do that. Sometimes we find ourselves and we're like, oh, I don't even know if I can say the name Jesus here. I mean, there would have been a lot of people listening to her and I'm sure she had thoughts of, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. But she did. She did. She made his name famous and she professed in front of everybody there, this is what this man did for me. The Bible is full of these stories the challenge is, are our lives full of these stories? This is good for us to think about it. Is my life full of stories like that? Where the presence of God has changed something in me and for the sake of my, me and also for those around me. just give me a second I want to tell you um, actually I've got two things here I want to tell you about um, Well, you've probably heard of Brother Lawrence um, I was just reading some letters, so he was in the. I don't know why I'm going this history thing. Brooks, like you're fascinated by history of the church and what God's done. I am. I don't know if it's something about getting older or if I just God is highlighting these things to me. But um, so this man, uh, monk, in the 1600s, wrote a bunch of letters, and I read some of them, and I was very moved by them because they are so. Um, he talks about practising the presence. And he doesn't... Um, there's no... In his writings, there's none of this... Um, you know, it's not fancy writing at all. And I just want to pinpoint a couple of things. I want to read this to you. Being questioned by one of his own community to whom he was obliged to open himself... By what means he had attained such a habitual sense of God. Brother Lawrence told him that since first coming to the monastery, he had considered God as the end of all his thoughts and desires, as the mark to which they should tend and to which they should terminate. All his thoughts about God. He noted that in the beginning of his um, novitate, novitate, is that how you say it? He spent the hours appointed for private prayer in thinking of God so as to convince his mind and impress deeply upon his heart the divine existence. He did this by devout sentiments and submission to the lights of faith rather than by studied reasonings and elaborate meditations. By this short and sure method, he exercised him in the knowledge and love of God, resolving to use his utmost endeavour to live in a continual sense of his presence and, if possible, never to forget him more. When he had thus in prayer filled his mind with great sentiments of that infinite being he went to his work appointed in the kitchen for he was a cook in his community. There having first considered severally the things his office required in other words cooked everyone's meals and when and how each thing was to be done he spent all the intervals of his time both before and after his work in prayer. He didn't segment his life he recognised The presence, God's presence is with me, even as I'm cooking these meals. He's splitting up, praying continuously. When he began his business, he said to God in a... Oh, sorry. He said to God, Oh, my God, since thou art with me, and I must now, in obedience to thy commands, apply my mind to these outward things, I beseech thee to grant me the grace to continue in thy presence. And to this end... Do thou prosper me with thy assistance? Receive all my works and possess all my affections. What a beautiful prayer. He chose even going to work, which some of us might find difficult to do regularly, (laughs) or we might think I'd like to be doing other things. In his work, he asked for the grace to continue in, in the presence of God, but to do all that he's called to do in his job that's a good challenge for us because i think sometimes we can separate being in the presence of god with being here we don't i mean we've, we've all heard sermons where they talk about you know that faith is your faith journey is monday to sunday but sometimes we can walk out of here and be and forget all this we forget that the presence of god that we feel here with us is because we are here together he is with us. And when we go and serve people, wherever we work, his presence is with us. And this man learned to choose to start his day saying, whatever I do, will you give me assistance to walk this out with you? That's very cool. And I'm sure that a lot of us actually do do that. I'm not saying no one does that. Um, When he had finished, he examined himself, how he had discharged his duty. This was a challenge to me. I do not finish the end of the day and go, how well did you do staying in the presence of God? I thought this is a challenge. challenge. If 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 he found well, he returned thanks to God. If otherwise, he asked for pardon, and without being discouraged, he set his mind right again. He then continued his exercise of the presence of God as if he had never deviated from it. Thus he said, by rising after my falls and by frequently renewed acts of faith and love, I am come to a state wherein it would be as difficult for me not to think of God as it was at first to accustom myself to it. Isn't that awesome? So I know the language is a bit unusual because it's 1600s, but this is a man who chose to step into the day and if he felt like he actually had not continued in the presence of God and done his duties as best he could while serving God he repented got himself in line and kept moving that's that's so great how often do do, well how often do I I'll make it personal because I don't know all of your stories but how often do I think you know somebody asks you how your day at work was and you go no it was all right yeah I think I got everything done you know you don't (laughs) I don't think to say God did I do everything as well as I could have did I stay in your presence all day? And did I complete the tasks you asked me to complete? And if I didn't, pick myself up, get this in check, and continue on. That's very good. This is what I'm saying this is a practice. We have to practice it. Anyway, I was very challenged by that. I just thought um, it was very challenging that this man had set, him, set his sights on. He was doing practical work. He wasn't just, you know, sometimes we think, well, the, great for the monks, they could just walk around the abbeys and sing all day. (laughs) They did have to do hard work as well. Um, But anyway, I just wanted to highlight that, that this is something he chose to practice. And there's another thing I read, um, that he actually... He said this, and I think this is really important, in our day and age where mental health is on the increase... I wanted to read this to you. In his trouble of mind, Brother Lawrence had consulted no one. Knowing only by the light of faith that God was present, he contented himself with directing all his actions to Him. He did everything with a desire to please God and let what would come of it. He said that useless, useless thoughts spoil all, that the mischief began there. He ought to reject them as soon as we perceive their impertinence. And return to our communion with God. So he didn't look to anybody to be his source of help. We do need each other, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we don't need each other, but he actually made God, the presence of God, the first place that he would go when his mind was troubled. I just feel that that's just a great challenge for us today. It's very important for us. So, I also want to read this to you. This is a book that I was given as a little girl. I don't know how old I was, probably three. And the Lord just whispered to me before I left, literally before I left, and I'm going to read this to you. I haven't looked at this book for a long time, but it's a very, very cute little book, and it's called First Prayers. And this came to mind as I was literally five minutes before I walked out the door, and I feel like somebody here needs to hear this. Actually, I think well, we all need to hear this because actually it's a beautiful prayer. This was written in the 16th century, funnily enough. God be in my head and in my understanding. God be in mine eyes and in my looking. God be in my mouth and in my speaking. God be in my heart and in my thinking. God be at my end and at my departing. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? It's simple, but it actually is. I was, when, I, when the Lord whispered it to me, I went and grabbed the book out of our cupboard and I was like, I have not seen this for a long time, and yet it came. And I felt like the Lord is saying, that is a prayer that we should be praying every day. Be in our head and in our understanding, in our eyes and in our looking, in our mouth and in our speaking, in our heart and in our thinking. It's beautiful, because it actually then that is all about the presence. Everything we experience, everywhere we go, however we choose to think, speak, listen, act, it all comes from him when we're practising being in his presence. I actually want to just throw it open here because I actually last week I, I threw out a challenge about special ops, ops being O-P-S. Observe what God is doing. Ponder how it made you feel and what was happening at the time and scribe it, write it down. So I want to actually give opportunity for anybody here who might have done that this week where God has, and if, if no one feels comfortable to do that, it's fine. But I was like, this is where we actually need to continue to build up each other's faith, where when God speaks and acts and asks us to step into something, it's really important for us to write it down. We would not have, we would not have the word of God if people had not chosen to step in and write down what was going on. So is there anyone here that had an ops moment? Observed what God was doing? If God spoke, whispered, said something? Pondered it and wrote it down? You did? Okay, do you want to share it? You don't have to. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's private. I don't want you to put on the spot if it's a private thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, this morning often, well every morning I go for a walk and I pray. And uh, this morning, I'm busy, but this morning I'm looking at quite a layer of cloud. And the Lord was showing me that
1: people in the world might have a very vague consciousness of that light above the cloud. Mm. He showed me that when we pray and
0: intercede, the people around us, Mm. yeah it's good that's really good you did well done. that's brilliant i love it that's a great yeah that's really cool i love that that's a great reminder it's a great reminder because that is exactly what it's about other people hearing seeing the goodness of god which we were singing about the goodness of god weren't we (laughs) all right anyone else just gonna give you three seconds. Oh, yep. This, this was something, um, this was something that he's been showing me over a while, but I actually sat down and wrote it today. Okay, cool. And um I was it was actually something I was telling you about last week, apparently. Mm. Um I was listening
1: to this this song by Joshua Aaron, and he's a Jew a messianic Jew who sings who does worship, and it was a song called Zion, and it was Nation of Israel being brought back and restore to them the promise that he had done for them. And what the moment that I heard that a little while ago, I actually was making breakfast and I was really numb. Like I was a really numb day, I was exhausted. I'd just come back from work trip to the city. And um, I heard that song come on and listened to the stand-up, and I literally just dropped my breakfast, like I was making breakfast, I just left it on the counter and just hit my knees and just wept it was this moment of involuntary worship for me and it was this it was the the moment where I went Lord what about the people on the in between times and what I mean by that is is there's so many promises that each of us are given and there's so many promises we see in scripture Hmm. like the promise of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that they never saw come to fruition Or what about the the Egyptians, or sorry, the Israelites who were in Egypt, who were in between Joseph and in between Moses? So somewhere in the middle, these people were were in slavery, in oppression. And I was like, were they any less a part of your will? Mm. Or any less a part of the journey of your your plan in the in-between? Or the people in between the Old Testament and the New Testament? 400 years of silence, where Malachi stops talking, and John doesn't proclaim Jesus that somebody's coming after And I was like, yeah. what are they thinking when they're going about their monotonous day, or in a quarry when they're like banging brick upon earth, stone upon stone, and like the pain of it is reverberating through their elbow and into their collarbone, right? Like this monotonous task, like. And they're, they're raising an obelisk that's going to remind them of the dehumanization of what's going on. Where are you, God, mm. is that in, in the promise? That the promise was given, and yet it's not fulfilled. Yeah. And I find myself there so often, in between, obviously not in slavery, <laughs> you know, the same, but these but like people were reminding me, These people in Scripture were reminding me of how often I've had a promise And yet I don't see the fulfillment. And it's what do I do in the middle part? Mm. Do I forget of that promise and curse God or get angry? Or do I choose to believe that I'm in the journey and that God says he will fulfill what he said he would fulfill in his time in his way and his... And and Abraham and Jacob Mm. and all these people were seen as not receiving their promise by having faith to... Like, as Testaments,
0: they were people of faith because they longed for it. But Jesus' plan
1: in all of it was bigger Mm. than what Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saw. And so it really was that humility point for me of entitlement that's like, I get to see, I'm entitled to see an answer to this promise when really, sometimes I'm just the
0: one in the middle and I just have Mm. to
1: surrender and choose that I'm going to... Glorify the Lord in the midst yeah. Of the
0: yeah, yeah, that's good. Good job, what um, beautiful. Thank you, Brooke. Yeah, that's good. These are all good words, eh? Hey? Very important. So, how do we practice being in His presence? We spend time with well, the One whose presence we want to be in. <laughs> spend time with Him. Listen. Have dialogue with him. Keep our thoughts in check and in line with the Holy Spirit. Make his name famous by speaking about the things he has done. Even things like that, that it's like, well, I'm trying to work this out. Where do I fit in there? What are those people thinking? They are important because we are still making his name famous when we're holding on to promises because we trust him, believe him. Focus on his ways, not on our own ways or solutions. How often do I think, I want to see this happen. I know, God, you've said this is going to happen. What can I do to make that work? What can I fix? How can I fix it? It's not a thing. (laughs) Practice being in his presence. His presence is with us. His presence is in us. And we are to walk as people who know that because our world desperately needs to know the one whose presence we walk with. And so um, punching the hole in the cloud, I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, punch the hole in the cloud. So I want to pray for us this week. I really want to encourage you to continue to look for, look for the ways that God is... Observe the ways God is speaking to you. Every single one of us in this room is going to hear and experience God in different ways. Okay, so we can share stories and they're great because they build faith. They also can have an effect of us thinking, well, it hasn't happened to me that way, so therefore my way doesn't count. That's not how God rolls. Okay, so it's important for us to observe how God is making himself present with us. It's important for us to recognize and to ponder what are you saying, God? What do you want me to do in this place? What are you asking of me? Ponder that. Actually ask him questions. Get into dialogue with him. I reckon that Brother Lawrence was chatting to him all day, every day in the middle of what he was cooking. And then scribe. Write it down. Write it down. Because when we write it down, we, as I said last week, we leak. We forget. We're on to the next thing. We're like, oh, that was so yesterday. And God does stuff all the time. All the time. So it's important for us to write it down so that we can tell the stories. Make his name famous. Let's lift him up. Let's applaud him, rejoice in him, glorify him because he is worth it. And actually, if there's no other reason, that is enough. He is worth it. And he is enough for us. He is enough for us. So let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for every single one in this room. And uh, and I pray this over those that are missing today for various reasons. Lord, I ask that you will teach us. You will teach us to step into all that you have for us. Lord, we thank you that your presence is with us. Jesus, I thank you that you said you are with us to the very end of the age. Surely you are with us. And I thank you, God, that by your spirit, your spirit is in us and goes everywhere with us. And we want to be people who are listening to your spirit People who are uh, acting on the prompts of your spirit, the whispers. Lord, will you give us quietness to hear your voice? Will you give, even in the middle of a busy day, will you give us quiet moments to hear your voice? Lord, we want to be people who walk continually in your presence. And I just pray for everybody here, Lord, that you will be in their understanding. That you will be in their everyday moments. That you will be in the chores and in the duties. That you will make yourself known in their finances. In their giftings. In the people in their community. That you will make yourself known and your presence will bring change. Your presence will bring transformation. And your presence will bring growth. And that we will be people who will celebrate and rejoice that your name will be on our lips. I ask that you will free our mouths up from any kind of inhibition. Lord, that we will be people who will make your name famous right across this town. We pray that for all our brothers and sisters actually, right across this town, that we would all make your name famous. Thank you, Lord. I pray blessing over everyone here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.